You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For Panther fans who want to keep pounding. For the ones who want an inside look at the vault. This, 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 this is views from Street. Now. Here's your host, Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another rousing edition of the Views from Mint Street podcast. You're home for all the Carolina Panthers talk you can possibly stand. And then a little bit more. Glad to have you guys along for yet another episode, the midweek edition, as we stand between the L to the Pittsburgh Steelers and our next matchup this Sunday against, nope, that would be Saturday, Rob. The holidays have me in a tizzy, ladies and gentlemen. I am on vacation, technically, but I love you enough that we're sitting down to do the pod even on my day off. The game is Saturday, Christmas Eve, against Detroit. Final homestand of the regular season for the Carolina Panthers. I am Rob Brown, host of the Rob Brown Show in Greenville, South Carolina. Available for free weekdays, 9 to noon. On the Odyssey app, although I am off until the new year. So if you go looking for me between now and then, sorry, you're going to get some incredible guest hosts, but I will return January 3rd. Joining me as always, my co-host on that show, my co-host on this show, they call him the great one. Lonzo Reitzel is here as well. And, uh, you know, so we, we try to, even when the cats make it difficult, we try to take an overall positive tone on the show. So let me get the negativity out of the way. I uh, I have talked to since we last spoke on Monday after the L to Pittsburgh. Uh, I have spoken to a couple of folks who were at the game. And I said, you know, on, on TV, uh, and obviously TV doesn't always give you the most accurate reflection of what is happening. But on television, I said, you know, I, I, I thought Panthers fans did a pretty good job at representing in the bank. I thought Panthers did a, I thought Panther fans did a pretty good job of filling up the lower bowl. You always knew there were going to be Steeler fans in attendance, but I thought they did a pretty good job of kind of drowning them out. Uh, And I've been since told by not two, but three different Panther fans that were at the game that that was not the case, that there was actually a hefty number of Steelers fans in attendance and that at multiple times throughout the game, the let's go Steelers chant was closing in on as loud as some of the chants that Panthers fans tried to get going. And I I wanted to have, though, a little middle-of-the-road conversation, positive and negative about what the bank is right now with one home game left to play. And keep in mind, if we were to find a way now to win out and win the NFC South, one potential home playoff game still ahead of us. Now, 
I know that Steve Wilkes said he doesn't want anybody in the building talking about the playoffs, but I'm not in the building. So, sorry, coach. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. It's interesting, Lonzo. I have been to two Panthers games since I moved to the Carolinas. Uh, Both of them had a pretty decent away team following, uh, including the only home win I've been to so far, which was against the New Orleans Saints back in week three. Uh, I have heard the arguments about why it is that it's tough to get people into the bank. And one of them that I've heard is a really good one, which is, hey, it is a city of transplants, right? Charlotte is a place that has seen population growth over the years, and most of that growth obviously comes from other parts of the country. And most people who move to an NFL city, an NFL franchise-held city, are not going to drop their previous allegiance and become fans. The second element of it is that you combine that with the fact that this is a new franchise, relatively speaking, new concerning the rest of the teams in the league, especially when you look at a team like Pittsburgh that's been around for freaking ever. Uh, Not only will the people moving to Charlotte not drop their old NFL allegiance to become Panthers fans, but the folks that have been there for longer than the Panthers previously had allegiances, they were going to keep those allegiances. And for at least some percentage of them, when they start having kids and those kids start hitting NFL fandom age, they are just as likely to maintain the allegiances of their parents as they would be to grow up as Panthers fans. Uh, I've got a solution for that. And we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, But Zoe, I, I, I think it is fair to say that at this point, it's becoming a bit of an issue. I, I understand that fans don't get on the field and win the games, but it doesn't make it much easier for the guys on the field when they're going out there to play in a game as big as this game was against Pittsburgh, and they're looking up and they're seeing as many Steelers fans as they are Panthers fans. All right, so I've been going to Panthers games for a couple decades now. I have been there when they had this thing that they that they haven't done in a long time, and it's a, it's called winning. Rob, there's this thing called winning when you win consistently and you like have a couple winning seasons in a row, and and then the fans go, "Hey, look, we're actually winning now. Maybe I should go watch the product." So, um, it's been a while since the Panthers can say, "Hey, we're a winning team," and. The NFL is, is is different than college football. College football, there's loyalty from fans that will go to a team, go to games for a team that's losing, because it, it's you know it's it's a dip, different kind of atmosphere, and it's really more about the atmosphere than it is the game in a lot of cases. But for the NFL, it's a little more expensive. It's on a Sunday. It's cold out right now, and the team is not winning. And a lot of NFL fans, including Panther fans, are realistic enough to go, yeah, we can still win the South, but the South is horrible. And the coaching staff and the team haven't shown me consistency enough for me to take my money and go there and spend it to watch them play because there's no guarantee they're going to win, which they did not. So, I mean, 
It's it's all about winning, really. You win. If you win, they will come. I mean, really, that's that's what it comes down to. You're not wrong. Uh, you know, I know I'm not I, wrong, Rob. It sucks to, to to root for a losing team. So I have said on on my show for many, many moons now that at the end of the day, winning solves everything, right? It doesn't matter the problems your franchise has. Winning solves everything. And there's obviously a, a lot that goes into that. But how do you grow the fan base to make it more attractive, especially uh, when you get better and you start getting into bidding wars for free agents and you're, you're, you're trying to convince them that Charlotte's a place they want to go, not just because they're going to get paid a metric boatload of money, but because it's a good franchise in a good football city with a good fan base. Uh, first of all, you win, sure. First of all, you win. It is easier. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. When I was growing up, uh, when I was growing up, my family has all revolved around being fans of a particular college football team. And when we moved to Florida and I was growing up, uh, there was a particular college in the state of Florida that at the time was the dominant football team in the state of Florida. And on top of that was one of the dominant football teams in all of college football. And all of the kids around me were fans of that program. And it was easy to do that because especially as a kid, you, you're not going, you, you don't want to be a fan of a losing team because losing sucks and winning is fun. And I remember uh, my immediate family weren't, weren't huge fans of that college. They weren't huge college football fans, but uh, I remember the older I got finding myself more and more becoming a fan of this particular university, primarily because it was the cool thing to do. They were the good team. They were winning the trophies. It was the cool thing to do. Uh, winning was a big chunk of that, but making yourself popular, ingraining yourself into the community was a big part of it as well. And I, th I think the Panthers do. And I, and for the record, I do not live in Charlotte. Uh, I visit Charlotte six, seven times a year for different reasons. I see the billboards and all that. I think from what I understand, the Panthers do a pretty decent job of, of putting themselves out in the community, but you know, the, the wine and cheese fans that show up at games on, on Sundays like they did this past Sunday and aren't really involved, they're really there for the social aspect. How do you kind of grow to where you start to get the reputation? For instance, every time the Saints are on national TV, there's all this talk about how the Superdome, even when teams travel well, is still one of the toughest places to play. Kansas City, Arrowhead, no matter what the, the, the traveling, the away contingent is, Tough place to play. Seattle, even when that team is a six or seven win team, it's constantly mentioned how much Lumen is a, a tough, difficult place to play. Um, this is one that really only gets spoken to a particular group of people. But if you have any control over it, make sure your tickets are going to actual fans, please, from now on, like I'm begging you. Uh, and and this got brought up, and, and I'll say this, and then we'll get away from it because I know it's not the most compelling topic in the world, but I do think it's important. Uh, I jumped on a Carolina message board earlier, and I saw a guy who was selling tickets to the game against Detroit. And my first thought was, this guy said he lived in Charlotte, but he couldn't make the game. And the guy said, why? And he said, 
uh, I've got a Christmas party to attend. Now, this is on Christmas Eve. Now, I understand for a lot of people, family is going to come before football. Fine. Priority straight. That's cool. Uh, first off, I would love to make it to where Carolina Panthers games become a priority for more people than they are now because I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that are like, yeah, I'd really love to go to that game, but, and there's a list of reasons, all of which you're like, "Is eh, I don't know, man, like I'm a big fan. That wouldn't be a good enough reason for me not to go. But this guy said, uh, I don't care whether, I don't care who buys the tickets. I just want to get as much money as I can back for them close to face value, right? And I'm like, hey, you know, it's that kind of stuff that drives me nuts. And I know that it's not my scratch on the line. They're not my dollars to be concerned about. And it's easy to tell other people what financial decisions to make when they ain't your financials that you got to deal with. But it drives me nuts that you can have Steelers fans take over Bank of America Stadium. And the massive chunk of the reason why is because you got so many fans that have tickets that don't ultimately care whose butts are in the seats because it's a social occasion as much as it is a football game for them. I don't know that having louder and more and better fans in attendance would have made all that much of a difference. But when your defense is getting its butt whooped and it's got its butt to the line in the red zone, a loud stadium trying to throw off the communication of the offense can be a huge variable, a huge influence, a huge factor in the game. And so it's it's just one of the things we're missing right now. I got to tell you, there didn't appear to be a lot of fans, period, whether they were Pittsburgh or, or Carolina Panthers fans. Uh, from everything I was seeing, the bank was empty in a lot of areas. And, uh, I, you know, if you have season tickets and you don't want to go, I guess that's all right. But – Scalpers need to live too, man. So so you should go and buy you some cheap tickets outside the stadium and, and give them guys a good Christmas. You should be ashamed if you didn't go. Uh, one more thing, and I'm going to talk about the impact this is going to have on the game, and we'll dive more into it on Friday for the game preview pod. But, Lonzo, game time temperatures on Saturday at kickoff for the Lions and the Panthers, are projected to be in the low 20s with a wind chill in the mid to high teens on Saturday. Uh, It is going to be a cold weather game, ladies and gentlemen. Temps in the low 20s, high teens. Uh, I am very curious to see how bad that looks on television, to be honest with you. I wish there was a more optimistic way to put it. Like Christmas Eve, I'll tell you right now, uh, if, if, if this was going to be a nice warm weather, not warm weather, comfortable cold, right? In the, in the fifties, this is a game that I would absolutely buy six, seven tickets and bring my family to go to and celebrate Christmas Eve, watching Panther football. Uh, I got a feeling the last home game of the year is not going to feel like a home game. So, so much as a neutral side game. And it might even be worse because even though they play inside, you know, Detroiters ain't scared of a frozen field. Um, I don't know, man. I, I It's going to suck if this is the last game of the year because I don't think it's going to be uh, a high note to go out on. All right. So the, the positive out of this is that I 
I don't believe Detroit fans, because there are some out there, not a lot, but there are some, I don't think they travel well because they're not used to winning either. So they're not going to, they're not going to be coming down here for this. If, if they did, uh, they'd be used to the cold. Cause you got to get in the cold to go to the stadium. You got to get in the cold to leave the stadium. And they, they probably, a lot of those guys work in the cold. So I don't think that would be a detriment to them, but I'm not worried about there being more Detroit fans than Panthers fans Saturday. I'm just worried about there being uh, fans, period. Fair enough. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Views from Mint Street podcast is in your ear holes, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Brown and Lonzo Reitzel with you. If you haven't done it before, do us a favor. Even if you have, we don't care. Even if you have done it, bug your friends. Put it in your social circle. Put it out there on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, wherever you talk with your fellow Panthers fans and let them know about the Views from Mint Street podcast. I wanted to get into... Hey, really, really quick. Where's your Christmas spirit? Share us for Christmas. I mean, share us for Christmas. Give give us a Merry Christmas by sharing us for Christmas. Share I, I mean, us for know, Christmas. It's it's like I really want to do something for my fellow man today, but you know, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of things. You know what I could do? I could share the views from Men Street Podcast and give Lonzo and Rob a Merry Christmas. It will make you feel good inside. It will make us feel good inside. You should do that. You know what else you can do? You can go to wherever major podcasts are found on Spotify, Stitcher, on Google Play or Apple iTunes or for free on the Odyssey app. You can find the little heart button, Lonzo, and you can follow la 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 us. That was that was awesome. It really was. That was really well done. I will I will let you all have three seconds uh, in which to bask of the greatness of that joke. Perfect. Let's get back to talking football. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's get into this. Uh, you know, last couple of weeks, Lonzo, you and I have gone round and round. Uh, and I said, Wilkes will find a way, just give him time, time, time. You, on the other hand, multiple times have said, <laughs> that was good too. That was well done. You know, I should mean, we take it, another three seconds to appreciate that? No, I think so. No, no, if we're doing that, we'll be there'll be a lot of dead spots in the pod. We don't <laughs> want to do that. Uh, All right, Brown so, spouting some lyrics, yo. So Lonzo said uh, that that Wilkes needed to win a couple more. Uh, my argument has been that Wilkes is one shy of Matt Rule, and he did it in far less games than Matt Rule had in his two full seasons plus the five weeks that he had as the head coach this year. And that, as far as I was concerned, the level of culture building that he brought to the field uh, was enough for me. And I can tell you that after the watch of that game on Sunday and the rewatch of that game yesterday, uh, I have begun Lonzo to pump the brakes just a little bit. Now, we talked about it on the show. I, I still think Steve Wilkes did knock out of the park 
objective number one. And objective number one was to rebuild the culture of this franchise, was to create a better culture around this franchise, was to create a situation where it felt like the guys on the field on Saturdays and Sundays and Mondays and Thursdays, uh, what's the word, cared, right? Looked like they, they, they wanted to go out, play hard, and put some pride onto the jersey and the logo on the side of the helmet that they were wearing. And I feel like, frankly, Steve Wilkes uh, has done that. In fact, if you go listen to the post-game press conferences of some of the, specifically the leaders of this team, uh, I think you will hear a a different tone. And, And maybe this is just my undying optimism shining through, but I think you'll hear a bit of a different tone out of the players than you did when they were all trying to prove that they were OOU under Matt Rule. I think that step one of the culture building uh, has taken place. And I do recognize that if you shift to a new head coach next year, then that culture will have to be retooled and shifted again. And that's not particularly easy to do. Uh, But I will say this. There is a second part to coaching. Culture building, check. Step two is uh, coaching. X's and O's, game plan, strategy, and then executing it on Saturday or Sunday. And I think after the rewatch on Tuesday that I can say, Lonzo, uh, that part for Steve Wilkes was atrocious on Sunday. Pittsburgh out-schemed us. They knew the strengths and weaknesses on both sides of the football took full advantage. And we didn't change anything to get away from that. Now, I would love to sit here and say that at the end of the day, it's on Ben McAdoo on the offensive side of the football, right? Like I'd love to say it was just bad play calling. And don't get me wrong. It absolutely was. But if you're going to be a head coach, even if you are a defensive coach, there's got to be a point that you throw on the headset and you go, hey, uh, hey, hey, Ben, it's uh, it's Steve, uh, your boss. And uh, those things that you're doing, they're not they're not uh, they're not working uh, from my vantage point down here on the field. Maybe I'm mistaken, but they're not working. Maybe we should uh, maybe we should do not that and try something else moving forward. And it didn't ever feel specifically offensively, like Steve Wilkes did what I would have loved for a head coach to do, to step in and go, we got to change something up because we just kept going back to the well over and over. Now, there's a part of me, though, that goes, hey, rookie head coach, first-year guy. uh, I know he was a head coach at Arizona, but we saw that he had minimal to no control over that franchise when he was the head coach. So I'm going to treat it as if he's a first-year full authority head coach here and 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 say that was a first year uh problem what i will say is this as much as the last handful of weeks have been an audition for steve wilkes on the football field to be the next head coach the next three weeks lonzo are the final exam because the pittsburgh steelers and the cincinnati Bengals, but the pittsburgh steelers more recently put out the blueprint on how to beat the carolina panthers right Detroit, a hard-nosed team that's playing very hard for Dan Campbell, 
now has those numbers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a bad football team as well, now has those blueprints. And the New Orleans Saints, who we are now tied with in the division. Everybody's within a game. But now tied tied, within a division. We're we're tied with everybody but Tampa Bay. Everybody but Tampa Bay. Uh, We face Detroit, who have the blueprints. Tampa have the blueprints. And you would better believe that the New Orleans Saints, listen, especially if, because Tampa Bay, uh, we've mentioned a couple of times, has a, a or or has had with the Cincinnati game this past week. It doesn't get a whole heck of a lot of it easier. They've got to go out to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. Then they've got us and then Atlanta. As has been mentioned multiple times, I think this division comes down to week 18, which means that depending on what the Saints do this weekend, there is a very good chance that that last week of the season, which sees Tampa v. Atlanta and New Orleans v. Carolina, because the Saints still have ahead of them the Browns, Eagles, and Panthers, that both of those NFC South games being played at the same time could be for the division. The Saints now have the blueprint as well and may very well be playing for pride at that point in the season. Uh, We are now going to see the final exam of Steve Wilkes-Lonzo because when you got three teams who are now not just playing for pride, but all three potentially playing for a playoff spot at the end of the year, who have been shown the blueprint on exactly how to beat you if you do not adapt and do not make adjustments and do not execute those adjustments. Steve Wilkes went from a guy that last week I was going, hey, 4-0 is reasonable. It's not even lofty. It's not even like optimistic. It's a reasonable potential outcome to... He might lose the next three games. Um, The outcome is probably somewhere in the middle, Lonzo, but it just got a heck of a lot tougher with the Steelers exposing not the blueprint for how to beat us, but the fact that we've got a coaching staff that does not be able to seem to make the adjustments necessary to overcome those blueprints. Yeah, this this thing's over for Steve Wilkes. I think think last week was... The final exam, not not what's to come. I think it was last week. He's got he's got two looks. He's got a look of yeah yeah we did it as a team, and the look of I have no idea what's going on. And that's the look he had last week. The look of I have no idea what's going on. And you need to be able to look at your coach and go, okay, yeah, they're getting beat, but you can see he's formulating. He's trying to figure out what's how how to fix it when it's wrong, or at least over there shaking his head like. Dude, I don't know why they're messing up like that, but he looked like like he just got his butt beat by the coach across the way from him, and he did. He got out coached. And if you're Tepper and you're looking at this, you've got to look at how they handle the losses as well as how they handle the wins. And it's not that I want them to lose to 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 because I don't. I want the Panthers to win every game but I am really concerned about the rest of the season. And I'm going to take back something I said. Steve Wilkes can't prove it to me, okay? Even if they come back and they win the NFC South, still not the guy in my opinion because he's had the chance. Last week was the perfect chance. And what did they do? They come out and they got their butts whipped. They didn't look like they wanted to be on the field. And the defense, which is his guys, the defense, they played horrible. 
And we've been praising the defense all year, but there have been a couple games where they've really uh, looked bad. And this one, it meant a lot. It might as well have been a playoff game because if they won that game, the Panthers would be in first place right now. And they didn't look like they belonged on the field with Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh is not that good. And they made them look that good. It's It was kind of embarrassing. And I felt he seems like a cool dude. He really does. I just don't think he's the, the coach for this team. If Steve Wilkes wins out, he's got the job. That being said, if Steve Wilkes wins out and gets the job, it will be primarily because he got exposed against Pittsburgh. And it will mean that he gathered himself, retreated, pulled into the camp, made the adjustments, and changed up enough of the plans that we have a new look against Detroit on Saturday and then against Tampa and then against New Orleans to wrap up the year. Uh, That being said, one of two things is true. Either A, Steve Wilkes is not a coach that can adjust on the fly uh, because we did not, or, or does not have adjustments offensively and just was like, hey, Ben, do better and let's see what happens. Or B, Steve Wilkes is a guy that can't adjust on the fly, but can recognize flaws in the game and can change them uh, during practices, which I can, which I've called for years the Nick Saban way, right? Like Saban uh, at Alabama, I've said for many, many years, Nick Saban on Saturday is a very pedestrian coach. There have been a lot of coaches who heads up have been able to out coach. Nick Saban over the year. Jimbo Fisher's done it a couple of times, for instance, and Jimbo ain't that good either. Uh, Nick Saban does not beat you on Saturday. Nick Saban beats you in the weeks leading up to signing day on February, and then Nick Saban beats you in the game up to that week, and the goal is to just be so much better than you that even if you adjust at halftime to what Bama installed that week, it's going to be too little too late at that point. Well, over the past couple of years, Saban's book has become well-known, and you have seen Alabama, though they just missed the playoff, uh, not be the driving force this year that they have been in years past, and I suspect it's going to continue downhill for a little while. Uh, If Steve Wilkes is that kind of coach, A, it does not work as well at the NFL level as it does the college level. Like like Steve Spurrier is kind of one of these guys too, right? And that's why he failed. But it doesn't work at the NFL level because the talent level of the worst teams at the NFL uh, is still almost always going to be closer to the talent level of the best team in the NFL, which is not true in college football. If Wilkes comes out on Saturday, though, and we see uh, a whole lot of different looks that are different than what we saw this past Sunday, adjustments we see a lot more of those rollouts the screens and a consistent run game we did not see on Sunday I'll feel a little bit better but I can't really make an opinion on that until I see what the team rolls out Saturday night the views from Men Street podcast rolls on Rob Brown the great one Lonzo right so whether you can follow us on social media if you want to at the Rob Brown show across all the social media platforms at the Rob Brown show. And of course you can follow the great one at Lonzo on word on Twitter at Lonzo on word. Let me get your thoughts on this one. Great one. Steve Wilkes said in a presser earlier this week that he does not want 
anyone in the building to talk playoffs, right? It's it's the old coaching motif of one game at a time, one game at a time, one game at a time. He says, I don't want anybody in that building talking playoffs right now. How do you feel about that? Uh, it's a, he's, he's being honest because <laughs> it's not going to happen because he's going to, they're going to have to win three games. Uh, I, I, I guess I get it. I, I do get it. He's been saying that all year long uh, since he's taken, taken the, the role as interim coach. He's been saying that all year long. We're just going to take it one game at a time. And it sounds like coach's speech. And, but with him, I think I get it. You know how I know that it's that way? Because a game plan works one week, and then they forget about that game plan, and they move on to the next week, one game at a time. So they don't look at the history of of how they played well or or played bad. It's a new game and a new game plan and a new everything. So there we go. And I'm not joking about that. Sorry. I'm frustrated. I, uh... I am frustrated. I was laughing at that at the same time I was I was reading through some uh, some stuff there and uh dude just described our offensive line against Pittsburgh as an O-line that looked like they decided to take Xanax before the game. <laughs> I think you could describe the defense as that too. But yeah. Uh you're not wrong. Here's why I I wanted to uh I wanted to bring that up. Sam Darnold in this game with a couple of days retrospect, a couple of days to look back. I got to tell you, if we can't find a definite hit quarterback in this draft, right? And and again, a lot of trade potential, a lot of capital, a lot of ability to move up. Also going to be a moderately good free agency class coming up. Very good chance Lamar will be available, although that's a bank-breaking contract if you get him. Uh, if we can't hit on a definite quarterback, like the guy, the guy you point at and you go, that's the guy. I think I've kind of leaned into Lonzo with the knowledge of his capability uh, and what we saw against Pittsburgh. And I may, I may very well at some point uh, be putting my own shoe into various orifices of my body based on this comment. But if we can't get a can't-miss quarterback through for agency or the draft this year, though, Sam Darnold might be a viable option to add one more year onto his contract here. Uh, Dude played behind an offensive line that had arguably its worst game since week two and a, a run game that was non-existent in this game and ended up with a QBR of over 108, which is pretty remarkable because there's a lot of quarterbacks you put in that situation that would have absolutely fallen apart. If there's no can't-miss quarterbacks available either in the draft or through free agency, if he puts another game like that together this weekend against Detroit and then two against Tampa and does what uh, what, what, what we did earlier in the year and outduels Tom Brady – Sam Darnold for one more year. Uh, I hate to say it. If you can't get a can't-miss quarterback, might be the best available option for one more year under a quarterback. And you keep uh, Matt, Cor- uh, Matt Corral in the backfield and waiting in the wings, give him his chance to develop and learn. I don't know that next year is the year you put together a Super Bowl run based on the the – it's not a rebuilding project because I've told you we got a lot of guys on the roster – 
but I think there's some uh, I think there's some folks out there that have said some really not na- na- some pretty nasty things about Sammy D. And Sam Darnold went out there this past weekend, and with an offense around him that offered him very little support, put together some decent numbers. Uh, for the most part, we haven't been extremely nice to to Sam Darnold, but we haven't been you know brutal. Uh, he is what he is. He's a game manager, but he's a pretty good game manager. If they would have had a you know, ran like a third as much as as we did two games ago with the performance that he put on, you probably had a shot at winning that game. Um, That's how he should play, but with a running game and defense to to back him up, and the Panthers didn't have that Sunday. If if you cannot get a really good – quarterback in the draft and again that's still it's still a gamble it's still a crapshoot you don't know that just because they were really good in college they're going to be good when they get to uh the nfl i mean you could say that about baker mayfield you could say that about sam darnold you could say that about a lot of these guys who were drafted really high uh and have it panned out the way that people expected or you could also look at at um trevor lawrence and how he struggled early on and how he's starting to come on now i mean there there's just I, I I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get. But at least with Sam, he's established. He he understands the offense, even though it probably won't be this offense next year. Um, you could do worse is what I mean. You could absolutely do a whole lot worse. Oh, 100%. 100%. I don't know if that comes across as positive, but well, I mean listen, it that I, way. I think what I saw in this game, uh, I think what I saw in this game was a downshift in Sam Darnold, right? I think last year, Sam Darnold was a dude who looked at himself and went, you know, I can make all the throws, right? I can make the deep down the field throws. I can make the home run throws. I can make all the throws. And on Sunday, probably the first time that to me, it looked like Sam Darnold is a guy who recognizes his limitations and played to them, right? Like, I have been told, my old man told me many times, and a lot of people, uh, you say this, and a lot of people kind of take offense because we we live in this generation of, hey, you can do whatever you want to do. It's like, no, you can't, dude. Like, most of us can't do whatever we want to do. I want to play in the NBA. Turns out I'm only 6'3", and I got no range shot. I cannot play in the NBA no matter how hard I try. You can't do anything you want to do. Welcome to the harsh reality of life on planet Earth. There are a lot of people who take their game or their job or their career, whatever, to the next level because learning your limitations and learning how to play or work within those limitations to be the best you can within those limitations is wildly important, right? Because it changes the way you look at what you can control instead of going, I want to do this. And it's like, yeah, like I also want to do that, but you're never going to get there. So instead, be the best at this thing. Sam Darnold looked like to me, uh, especially when he was making throws like that throw, that touchdown to DJ in the corner of the end zone, the near corner of the end zone and an absolute laser blast. That looked like a quarterback who understands his limitations, who was not trying to force the football past the limit of his expectations. And instead, Zoe went, here's what I'm capable of. Let me make the smartest decision within the parameters of what I'm capable of doing and then get comfortable in doing that. 
And I thought he had a pretty good job, especially, again, considering he was playing behind an offensive line that looked like they took Xanax before the game, according to one Reddit user. Um, I thought it was the first time that Sam Darnold truly, genuinely looked like a guy who understood the parameters of his capabilities and then played really well inside of that. That's a quarterback that I can build a team around until I do eventually find that home run hitter top five draft pick. See, the problem with that is how many fans think that way? I know I know, us fans, we don't really have a say in it, but how many of us think that way and, and believe that Sam Darnold has a shot to do something? I, I do believe that, the, that he has the potential, without a doubt. But at the same time, and I think you would agree with this, if C.J. Stroud's sitting on the board, I'm taking C.J. Stroud. Oh, again, I would like to go back and revisit – the last few words of that sentence, which were until you find that top five draft pick quality, right? I'm talking about like a top, but I'm talking about like a guy who was worthy of that pick until you hit on your Lamar. How, how, how low are you willing to go as far as the quarterback crop goes? What is the, what is the low mark where you go? Okay. Out of all these guys that are available, this is the only guy that's left. I'm going to stick with Sam Darnold. Is do you, in your mind, is there a, is there a line where you go? Okay. This is all that's left. That's it. We'll just stick with who we got. Well, I think the gauge you can use right now based on the rookie contract is if Matt Corral was in this draft pick, where would you or in this draft class, where would you put him, right? Like if 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 I asked you in this quarterback draft class, where would you rank Matt Corral? Uh, I think it would be fair to list him under CJ Stroud. I think it would be fair to list him uh under Bryce Young. Uh, I think, listen, I I saw a mock draft earlier this week that had us at our current draft position taking uh, Anthony Richardson out of Florida. I'll be real with you, and we talked about this a little bit on the air. Uh, We'll do a lot more draft analysis when we get into March with the pod and we're really starting to hammer towards the draft. Anthony Richardson's a guy that has all the physical tools to be a Lamar Jackson. I just don't know if he's got the 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 six inches between the ears that will make that much of a difference. Would I take that risk over Matt Corral and carry a one-year vet and a rookie on the roster? I don't know. Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee, I would have said hell yeah before the ACL injury. But his game is so predicated on the ability to move the pocket left and right, I got to see how he recovers. After that, I don't know that there's another guy in this draft that I say, okay, yeah, that guy is going to be better than Matt Corral's going to be. So I don't know that there's anybody below that. All I'm saying is if you do get below that, right, if, if, if we go with a first-round pick, if we take Anthony Richardson, I'm going to shrug and I'm going to go, okay, you got to get rid of somebody. Uh, do you take a hit? and send Matt Corral away and take the risk that he goes and turns into Justin Herbert somewhere? Do you send Sam away and ride with a rookie and a one-year guy, neither of whom has ever played an NFL snap? I don't know that you can do that. It's it's um, it's a really interesting predicament. So the only thing that I'm adding right now until we get closer to draft time is if we don't have a home run hit, which is either Stroud or Young, or the ability to pick up a guarantee through the free agent class, of which there's really only one or two, unless we were to, you know, again, do you make a play for Brady out of Tampa? Do you have the bank to get Lamar? I don't know. Uh, Unless you got a hit, Sam Darnold 
if he's the Sam Darnold we saw on Sunday, might not be the worst option. But we got a lot of time between us and the draft. So I, I, I think we both know it really comes down to who's going to be the coach. If Steve Wilkes gets the job, I think Sam Darnold stays here because he kind of likes him and he likes what he brings and likes that he isn't going gunslinger like what Baker is. And chances are he gets one of those other guys. They probably are more gunslinger than, than what Darnold is. So if, if Wilkes stays the head coach, I don't think Sam Darnold goes anywhere. And if they bring in a new another coach, then I think they're going to trade up to try to get one of those quarterbacks. I think this year's class, looking at it, because there is a massive fall off from two to three, right? It's it's CJ Bryce, whatever rank he got him. And then a pretty hefty fall off from two down to three. Uh, if you want a quarterback this year, CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, it is going to take a monumental package put together to out-trade everybody else to get there, right? It is going to take a whale of a trade in order to get there. And if that is the case, and that's the route that we take, you have to also weigh the cost of it as well, which is we can't really upgrade in other positions, of which there are a couple of team needs that have to be addressed. Is that worth one more ride with Sam Darnold? And I, I again, I... I'm very intrigued for the conversations that we are going to have, Zoe, on this pod when we get post-Super Bowl and it's time to start looking toward the draft, et cetera, uh, because the answer today and right now is Sunday Darnold did not look bad. We may have a, have a very different or a very similar but accelerated conversation depending on what Sam does Saturday against Detroit. All right, I know we got to finish up the pod. And I, I just want to uh, say one last thing because we said this earlier, and maybe you're just listening to one of the segments because we split this up into three segments. Maybe you're just listening to this segment, and maybe you're, again, filled with Christmas cheer to the degree that you don't know what to do with it. Why not share this podcast, Views from Mint Street, with, with someone you know, someone you like, someone you don't like, a, a, a guy walking down the street or you're in the mall doing last second Christmas shopping, you see someone with a Panthers jersey, tap them on the shoulder, say, hey, man, look at this, show it on the phone. Could you please, you know, just just like and subscribe to this? Because I would like to give Rob and Lonzo a Christmas gift that they'll never forget. So do that. Do that. Don't be a Scrooge. Share the views from Mint Street. Do it. Do it. Do it right now. And Merry Christmas. Lonzo, before we get out of here, any final words for the people? That, that was it. Uh, no, no, oh, those no were the final words for the people. Yeah, yeah, no Baham bugs. Just just share the views from Mint Street. Give me a happy Christmas. Give me a Merry Christmas. Give Rob one too. Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate those of you that have been listening to the pod every week. We welcome those of you that are new to the pod and to all of us from Lonzo, from me, from everybody at Odyssey. We wish you the very, very merriest of Christmases. But we do have one more pod before Christmas because on Friday... We got to break this whole Carolina-Detroit game down, so make sure that you are subscribed to the Views from Entry podcast. You have clicked the bell icon so you get notified, and we will see you back here on Friday. Keep pounding, baby!